0: So, last, uh, last weekend, uh, I was in uh, Dublin and had the great uh, privilege last Sunday morning of attending and worshiping in Christ Church Cathedral uh, in Dublin last Sunday morning, and it was a very memorable uh, occasion. There was a, a lovely sense of holiness uh, about the whole thing, but there was just something about it uh, that I kept dwelling on. And it was this. Seated in the front row uh, of the cathedral that morning was a man of, um, this is being recorded so I'm going to be polite, uh, advanced years. Uh, And the man of advanced years, um, he was a little bit frail, uh, he was a little bit infirm, uh, but there was something about him that exuded this sense of joy and life and hope and it was almost infectious. He stood up to give the first reading. And you know, as he was doing the first reading, he read the passage in a way that just said to us all who were gathered there that this was someone who loved the word of the Lord. He loved the scriptures. And at the end, when everything was said and done and all the music uh, had come to an end uh, spontaneously, he just stood up and he started clapping uh, for those at the front of the church who were leading uh, the song worship that morning. And in the middle of the service, when the person leading the service uh, invited us, as Nigel did a few moments ago, to share the peace uh, with, uh, with each other, he got up and he said, uh, I invite you now to share the peace with each other in a way that you feel comfortable. Uh, frankly, I quite like that phrase because... Um, uh, <laughs> um, Most of us who were there that day, probably quite a lot of visitors uh, in fairness and uh, and tourists and stuff, didn't really know each other uh, terribly well. So it's a bit awkward. So we're kind of just like nodding and shaking shaking hands or whatever with the person uh, near to us. Uh, But this man at the front um, couldn't walk very far, a little bit infirm, but he stood up, he turned round, and he started waving uh, to every single person who was seated there that day. And I just thought to myself, there is someone who is delighted to be in the house of the Lord, who's got this great joy about being in the house of the Lord, who's full of joy that he is there to worship, and it's full of joy that we were all there to worship with him that morning as well. Now, I wasn't entirely sure what to make uh, of it all, I must be honest, but the memory of that joy-filled worshiper, uh, someone who hadn't been spared life's problems, it stayed with me uh, through the week. And you know, part of me left that place just feeling more joy-filled from having been there and determined to remain full of joy myself. Well, it lasted four days <laughs> and, and it lasted four days because on Thursday uh, of this week, uh, I decided to go to one of our local coffee shops here in Bangor. I probably shouldn't name it, but it's the large mega chain with the drive-through, so you'll all know uh, which one it was. I was feeling very lazy that morning, I must admit. And I went to the local uh, coffee shop and I noticed an employee of the coffee shop, so what was this, the 2nd, 3rd of November or whatever, putting up and decorating the Christmas tree. And I felt, I just felt the anger rising. I just felt the tension rising. And I thought to myself, who on earth puts up a Christmas tree at the start of November? And then I found myself smiling as I started recalling and wondering how the joy-filled man of Christchurch Cathedral would have reacted. And I came to a little conclusion. I came to a conclusion that while it is absolutely ludicrous to put up a tree at the beginning of uh, November, and I'm not shifting from that position, uh, that is my position. Um, if you've got your tree up, good for you. Uh, but uh, <laughs> uh, I still think it's ludicrous. And. Uh, but I decided that the attitude that I would hold was if it makes the person happy, or frankly, if it makes any of you happy, to put your tree up at the beginning of November, then good for you. Uh, Who am I to judge? Now, there's a point to all of this. The point to all of this is that this morning, uh, we are continuing through uh, this immersed journey through the poets, uh, those books of the Bible that are like poetry, and we're looking at the psalm, and we have seen so many emotions uh, in the psalms uh, so far. I think that's why we love them, isn't it? Because there's just all of life is in there. We can relate to it. There's anger. uh, There's despair. Uh, Sometimes there's um, exasperation or distress or loneliness or, or just feeling we really need help at a certain time of life. But today we are looking at the emotion of praise. And the Psalm makes it clear that praise comes from having a heart of joy. Now it focuses on God's rescue of the people of Israel from captivity in Babylon. But actually the circumstances described in it could apply and do apply to all of us in almost any particular moment or season uh, of life that we go through. Some of the words uh, in the psalm uh, really stood out to me. Uh, Words like trouble, distress, misery, sorrow, affliction, uh, destruction. We all have moments. uh, We all have times uh, in life where we feel uh, emotions like that. And for anyone who's here today, who may feel uh, any of those particular uh, emotions, then the great encouragement of this psalm is that God is not content to leave anyone in a state of trouble or distress or misery or sorrow or affliction or destruction. Because what we have seen and heard from God's Word this morning is that God's will and God's very heart the very character of who God is, is that His will is to deliver us from these things so that we might know His goodness in all circumstances that we go through. Now, there are three particular circumstances that are mentioned here this morning, and we'll just look at them briefly. The first one is near the beginning, verses 4 to 9, and it describes what happens when we lose our way in life. So, the people of Israel had become geographically lost uh, at that time. They'd got themselves into dangerous territory. But the Psalm tells us that the Lord brought them through that episode and he guided them to their own land where they found cities to live in, and through all of that, he provided all that they needed. He provided food, he provided refreshment, he provided drink, he provided all that they needed uh, in order to go from that place where they felt lost to a place where they felt at home and secure uh, and with a sense of, uh, yeah, deep security uh, in, uh, in their hearts, I think the interesting thing for us to reflect on this morning is how did that happen? How did that transition happen of going from the place of loss, uh, going from the place of feeling uh, a little bit uh, like you were in the wrong place, uh, to the place where you feel at home? And what happened, uh, to bring that turning point about, was that the people of Israel admitted That they'd got themselves into a bad place, admitted that they weren't uh, in the place where they felt that God wanted them to be, admitted that they were in a place um, that they shouldn't uh, have been in, and they cried out to God for help. And I think that's the key thing that we keep seeing time and time again in this psalm, that when we are in times of trouble, that we should just admit it to the Lord and cry out and help in honesty to the Lord, and that He will intervene in those moments. Because what are we told? We are told that immediately the Lord rescued them from their distress. And so what this psalm is telling us is that God will never ignore you when you turn to Him no matter what state your life is in. Now, we may not be geographically uh, lost this morning, but all of us can feel lost in different ways. We might feel that we've got ourselves into a tricky position. We might feel that we've strayed down a dangerous path. We might feel that we're just drifting and we don't feel a real sense of purpose that we would long to feel, maybe because we put other things before God, maybe for other reasons. But the great encouragement of the psalm is this that the trouble and the affliction and the misery and the distress that can come from losing our way in life, none of these need be the end of our story. There is a way out of all of these things. And we always have an opportunity to admit that we're in a place that just doesn't feel right, that maybe we just know in our hearts isn't the right place uh, to be in. Sometimes it might be that we've messed something up and we've got ourselves into a, a bad place But the Word of God tells us this morning that God meets us in those moments. He meets us when we confess that we think we're in the wrong place, and we don't try to hide it from Him. Uh, When we admit it, when we cry out for help, He will meet us in that place. And he will meet us in that place, not with some great stick to beat us up with, not with a finger-wagging attitude to say, oh, I told you so, but he will meet us in that place in a loving embrace that says, I've been waiting for you. I never give up on you. Lord, help the people of Israel, cried in their trouble. And we don't have to wait 50 verses for the answer. It's in the next line. He rescued them from their distress. He led them straight to safety, to a city where they could live. Because God's desire for us is that we would live lives of peace, that we would live lives of deep satisfaction, that we would live lives of security. But the message here is that those things will only come when we choose a path that has him at its very center. Secondly, verses 10 to 16, we're told what happens when we lose our freedom in life. Now, the people in the psalm at this particular moment are in prison at one point in their lives. And we're told in verse 11 that the reason why they are in prison is because they have rebelled against the word of God and they find themselves in trouble as a result. But again, the wonderful mercy of the Lord comes through in this Psalm, because God does not use this prison-like experience to torture them or to condemn them to some lifelong sentence. He doesn't say to them, well, that's your lot and you're there for the rest of your days. That is not the heart of God. That is not the business that God is in. God uses the prison experience to get them to reflect on what they have done, to get them to correct their ways and just to convict them of how much they deeply need Him in their lives. And when they do all of that, They are reduced to their knees, and they cry out, Lord, help. And what do we read next? That God ignored them, that God thought they hadn't paid the price yet? None of that. None of that. That is not the heart of God. What we read is this. Lord, help, they cried in their trouble, and he saved them from their distress. He led them from the darkness and deepest gloom, and he snapped their chains. Now we need to acknowledge that uh, anyone, any of us who uh, reject God uh, and continually reject God and don't turn back to God, we will end up imprisoned in a life of sin. Now we don't like that word in life. We don't talk about that word very often in life. I understand all of that, but what is sin? Sin is that thing that that, you know when we're out of um, uh, God's will, that leaves us feeling trapped. That leaves us feeling empty. Uh, that leaves us feeling purposelessness, that robs us of the life-loving freedom that only God can give. I often think of it as being like, like thorns that are choking our very soul of who we are. But let us not dwell in all of that, because that is not the message of this psalm. It's not the message of God's Word. The message of God's Word is this, that God is not content for us to be trapped in the misery of sin. That is not why we were created. He will not just leave us there. He will use the pain that we go through. He will use the difficulties that we go through. He will call us back to Him. And He'll find ways through other people, through things we hear, through the work of His Spirit, whatever it might be, He will find ways to give us opportunities to find that sense of freedom again, because that is what he longs for us in our lives. And you know, when we come to that moment of realization that we look back and we think, yeah, actually, do you know, I have done my own thing and it just hasn't worked out and it's led to this feeling of oppression and it's led to this sense of emptiness, uh, then hallelujah, because it's in that moment that we understand that God is right there and he is waiting for us in that very moment. And all we need to do is to call out to him to experience that freedom that only he can give. It's all here in his word. Lord help the people of Israel cried out in their trouble and he saved them from their distress He led them from the darkness and the deepest gloom and he snapped their chains. And it is exactly the same today. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. It is happening every day of the week that the Lord is breaking chains. Because when the Father sent the Son to take all of our sin upon himself and to pay the excruciating and very heavy price for it, he did so so that we would be free He did so so that we would be free. So, this morning, let us resolve to live the life that Christ has freed us to live. The final situation we read about that can rob us of our joy is when we lose our health. This is 17 to uh, 22. Now, in the Bible, sickness is sometimes connected to sin, sometimes used as a picture for sin. But it's extremely important that we understand that the Bible is equally clear that not all sickness is the result of sin. And anyone who ever tells you that it is, is not telling you what the Lord says to us in His Word. Not all sickness is the result of sin. We live in a fallen world. and illness is one of the manifestations of that. But illness is not God's will for our lives. And it is not illness, a life of illness, that he seeks to condemn us to. Sometimes when we cry out to God, through prayer for healing or when we ask somebody in prayer ministry or a friend to pray on our behalf for healing for ourselves or for someone else. Sometimes the Lord will intervene miraculously there and then. And we've all heard stories of that. Some of us in this room have experienced that uh, in our own lives. Situations where medics cannot explain the great turnaround in somebody's condition. We see it in this morning. psalm. Lord, help, they cry out, and he saved them from their distress. He sent out his word and healed them. And healed them snatching them from the door of death. But you know, sometimes God will not perform instantaneous miracles. And I cannot stand here today and give you the reason why God intervenes miraculously in some cases and not in other cases because only God knows the reasons for these things. But I can tell you this in all conviction, based on the truth of God's word. And it is this, that every healing miracle that we hear about, that we see, that we experience in this life, give glimpses and give signs of the new world and the new life that we will all inherit when this one comes to an end. And God's promise to us is that for all who put their faith in Jesus Christ, that any sickness that we experience in this life, no matter how serious it may be, it will not be the end of our story. It will not be the end of who we are. It will be a mere episode in our lives as we pass through this life, yes, with all of its troubles, but yes, equally, on the way to a new life, where, as the Bible puts it, there will be no more death and no more sorrow and no more crying and no more pain because all of these things will be gone forever. So even in sickness, let's be those who cling on to a spirit of thanksgiving. Let us be those who cling on to the great gift of praise. And let us be those who cling on to the Lord's great gift of joy. Because the message of Psalm 107 is that no trouble and no distress and no misery and no affliction and no illness can rob us of the power of Jesus Christ, which has overcome all of these things and which lives in us by the power of His Spirit. God will never fail to pour out His love. God will never fail to pour out His mercy on all of those who turn to Him. It doesn't matter how much of a mess that we think that we might have made of our lives. It doesn't matter how far we feel that we might have run away from Him or turned from Him in our lives, it doesn't matter how low we might feel in the depths of our very soul, because when we get to those moments of realization, he is right there in that place and waiting for us. That is why we should live lives of confidence and lives of joy, because God, through Jesus Christ, has rescued us from the tyranny of sin he has rescued us from the crushing darkness of affliction. He has rescued us from mediocre lives of unfulfillment. He has rescued us from fearing that we're somehow condemned to spend the rest of our day defined by some illness that comes of our way. None of these things get the last word in our lives. None of them will ever define who we are because God has rescued us from our distress. And he has snapped those chains of oppression and he has snatched us from that door that is marked death. So this morning, as we come to to take part in this meal, as we prepare to meet with the Lord in this sacred moment, we do so with deep hearts of thankfulness for the greatest breakthrough that has ever and ever will be made. Because when Jesus Christ, dying in our place on that cross, paid the price for our wrongdoing, that wasn't the end of the matter. He then rose to eternal life. He defeated the powers of sin and the powers of darkness and the powers of depression and the powers of defeatism and the powers of purposelessness and sickness and even death itself. And He has promised us that for all of us who believe in Him, we too will not perish but have eternal life. And yes, there was a huge cost to be paid. Let us never forget that. There was a huge cost to be paid. And so, yes, we take this seriously. We approach this table in humility, in reverence, in deep gratitude and deep appreciation that Christ has delivered us from our sin and the consequences of sin. But you know, in our tradition in the, uh, in the Church of Ireland, the Book of Common Prayer has a wonderful, wonderful line in it that I think we need to remind ourselves of every so often. And it tells us this, that for we gathered here this morning, Holy Communion is the central act of worship in the church. It is our central act of worship. So today, let's praise him as we meet with him. Let's praise him for his love. Let's praise him for the fact that he has never given up on us. Let's praise him for the wonderful things that he has done throughout our lives Let's praise Him that five members of this church family, two in our previous service and three in this service, are about to take part in this sacred moment for the first time today since they stood up and publicly confirmed their faith a couple of weeks ago. And as we walk up with open hands, let's open our hands in faith. Let's open our hands in faith. Let's open them in thanksgiving. Let's open them in a spirit of saying, Lord, I'm here to receive all that you have for me, all of the good things that you have for me. Just in case you're sitting here today and you're thinking that somehow like the people of Israel in Psalm 107, that you've got yourself into trouble, that perhaps you feel unworthy to meet with God today? Well, you're in very good company. You're in very good company because none of us is worthy in and of ourselves to meet with the living God. But it's because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. It's because of his love poured out for us. It's because of his grace and his mercy Uh, that he poured out for us on that cross, that he invites us in his love, in his goodness, in his generosity to meet with us. He wants to meet with us. So draw near with faith. Because if your cry here this morning in the silence of your heart is, Lord, help me, then the message of God's word to you today is that the Lord is waiting. He is waiting right here and right now to rescue you from any distress that you might be feeling. And I want to say a word to those who may be here this morning and feel that you are somehow imprisoned in those chains that we read about in this psalm, and you just can't break free from those chains. And they might be chains of debt, Uh, Or they might be chains of negative thought patterns. Or they might be chains of harmful behavior uh, or chains of addiction. Or they might be chains of defeatism, of darkness or gloom that you just can't seem to shift. It might be that awful chain that somehow manages to trap us into thinking that our lives aren't worth very much. Well, Jesus Christ is here today to break all of those chains. And he is the only one who can completely break all of those chains and all of those lies. And he is doing it in people's lives every day of the week. So draw near with faith and ask him to break those chains and open your hands and meet with him and receive the new life that he has for you. The Lord is here. And as it says in our Psalm this morning, he is here to satisfy the thirsty and to fill the hungry with good things. That is all of us. That is all of us. He is here to take us off this path marked destruction. And to put us back firmly onto the path that is marked life and life in all its fullness. He is here to give us the gift of his life, which means that you will live forever. So don't live with a second-rate life. Don't put up with a mediocre life. Don't go through life just living this life that has got no real purpose to it. Don't live a life feeling you're imprisoned because none of that is what you were created for. None of that is God's will for your life. Instead, this morning, receive the bread of life. Receive Jesus Christ himself because as you meet with him this morning, no matter what state your life is in, if you meet with him in a state of saying, Lord, I need you, I'm determined to put my life right, I'm determined, Lord, to put you at the center of my life, then he says to all of us, I am the bread of life. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Anyone who eats this bread will never die, but will live forever. Let us pray. Father God, we just thank you, Lord, for your word this morning to us that reminds us that when we get into situations of difficulty or distress or um, sickness or any particular circumstance in life, Lord, that can conspire to rob us of our joy and that might just be conspiring to take us away from you, Lord, that your word tells us that when we turn back to you, that you are there waiting to meet with us and ready to restore us to that fullness of life that only you can give. And so Lord, we're a people this morning who are just filled with thankfulness. No matter what our circumstances are in life, like the Psalmists, Lord, we recognize that life can be difficult and life can throw things at us that are really challenging. But Lord, we are a people who are gathered here today to proclaim that you have overcome all of those things and that by the power of your spirit that lives within us, that we, too, have overcome all of those things. So, Lord, fill us today with a sense of peace. Fill us today with a sense of confidence. Fill us today with a sense of joy. And, Lord, from the depths of our hearts, for those here right now who are just calling out, as the psalmist did, Lord, help May they know those breakthroughs in their lives that only you can give, that you are here to give, that you long to give. And would you fill us, Lord, because you are the God of hope, would you fill us with all joy and peace as we trust in you so that we might be those who overflow with hope, by the power of the Holy Spirit that lives within us. And in the name and to the glory of Jesus Christ, who died and who rose again for every single one of us. In your name, amen.